I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Soul Sisters. I'm Dara Golub here with my beautiful co-host, Jesse Katz. What's up? Um, we're excited for this interview we're about to do, actually. Normally, we will often do these little intros after we've had the whole conversation, but this is a little different today. Yeah, we're here early. We're mm-hmm. eagerly early. awaiting her arrival. Kristen yeah. Control, formerly known as Dee Dee from the Dum Dum Girls. Mm-hmm. But she has a new project and a new album, which is amazing. I'm super into it. I'm all about 80s pop these days. I've been really feeling that. So As is the world. Yeah. Totally. Totally. 80s and 90s nostalgia. Um, so yeah, her new album fits right into that. And she's a local New York gal. Mm-hmm. So uh, we should have a lot to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, a lot to talk about. Yeah. So, okay, guys. So we don't know what's about to happen, but you're about to hear it because technology Technology. You're in it. <laughs> You're in it. Let's it's happening. Do this. We're yeah. in the moment. Um, all right. Here we go. Kristen Control on Soul, Soul Sisters. Sisters. Um, thanks for coming on the show. I saw you playing with Garbage in Central Park. Oh, yeah. A couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you were awesome. Thanks. That was fun. It was fun. I've never seen a show there. I've, at a summer uh, stage. I've never played there or seen a show there. So yeah. It's cool. It, it was felt cool. like... Uh, a very New York thing. Mm. Totally. Yeah. Um, my bass player is like born and raised in the Bronx and he was feeling like that it was really significant. Yeah. yeah nice. <laughs> so we were trying to be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. This is, this is maybe bigger than where. Yeah. Yeah. So in that moment. Yeah. I mean the precedent for artists performing in Central Park is pretty huge. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it seemed like an interesting, unusual place to hear your music. And garbage as well. Well, I mean, we were just like a buy one, get one. Right. (laughs) (laughs) No, totally. But I would love to see you play in like a dark club or something, you know, where I can like really have feelings to your music. We, uh, we played, uh, Baby's All Right maybe two months ago or something. It was like, um, our fifth show ever. Uh huh. And it was cool, but, uh. I will say that having the size stage that opening for garbage meant we had was mm-hmm. was a lot of fun yeah we didn't have to like put in the two years of right playing the dark tiny right. dive bars, um, <laughs> that's to true. get access to some space yeah that's um, nice with yeah. this project are you playing with any musicians that you had in the previous uh, band? yeah the the guy who's playing guitar and he does some synth stuff and kind of runs the whole show his name's andrew miller and he played um in the last like touring lineup of, of Dumb Dumb Girls. Girls. Yeah, he was like the auxiliary guitar player and he's a very old friend. He played guitar on the first Dumb Dumb Girls record. So mm-hmm. He's just been, um, you know, in my life for a long time and then it was cool that we ended up, you know, working on music more collaboratively than I yeah. ever figured we would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how do you guys get linked up with Garbage? Because I feel like you're not just opening for them, but Shirley Manson has been kind of vouching for you. <laughs> you guys yeah. have some kind of um, cool little friendship now or something. Yeah. Well, we had like a funny encounter maybe f- three or four years ago. Uh-huh. Maybe longer than that. At this, I have no concept of time. Um, <laughs> but first of all, Garbage was the uh, the first time I went to a concert. Really? So oh, like, wow. oh, my God. That was, you know, the adorable backstory. Uh-huh. Right. Amazing. Mother wouldn't let me go to any shows and my dad um 
who was just more trusting and cool. <laughs> uh-huh. like, I'll take you. You can bring a friend. And just, How old were you? I think I was 13, 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Where did um, you grow up? In the Bay Area, in California. Okay. So it was, I think, their first tour uh-huh. somewhere like San Jose or something. Um, so anyway, that happened. and That's awesome. I don't really remember it, uh, you know, moment by moment. But I, I do remember that I took away being like, incredibly impressed and Mm -hmm. and having already felt like I was some sort of artist or performer I was like a big dancer then and and I knew I you know liked to sing and tried writing like Alanis Morissette inspired songs Uh (laughs) or whatever um I I like recognized that 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 was what I wanted to do. You yeah. Know? So it, it was formative in that sense. Um, Wait, what is an Alanis Morissette? Sixth grade Morris Jagged set? Little Pill. Jagged that little was like pill. sixth grade. Yeah. But like, how would you describe your songs? <laughs> like, what does that mean exactly to be influenced by Alanis Morissette? I mean, I think, thank God I don't have any way of listening back and, <laughs> and determining. It. You didn't, it's not like you recorded. Oh no, they're then. on a cassette tape somewhere, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, I think they were just like feisty yeah. Um, yeah. and probably like on piano and electric guitar, uh-huh. you know, like just like the spirit. Yeah. Right. Anything yeah. Else. So did you study uh, piano, guitar, drums? No. I mean, you played all those things. Uh, no, I, the first instrument I started playing was the violin and that was in fourth grade and I wanted to learn the drums instead but uh, I don't know it was like a gender thing or mm-hmm. or whatever my mom played the violin and we already had one or something <laughs> probably it's a also financial cheaper. thing yeah. yeah if I if I consider my father <laughs> in the decision um, <laughs> so anyway I did that for I guess a couple years in elementary school and then through middle school so I had like a pretty legit foundation for mm-hmm. you know theory and played in orchestra and stuff yeah. um but I also knew that I was like a much better singer than a violin player. I was like an okay violin player Mm -hmm. and I enjoyed it, but I wasn't going to get any better. (laughs) Really. I didn't care enough. Um, And and where it would take you is probably was not like inspiring. So, so yeah, I switched uh, in high school and did, you know, every choir I could and I studied voice privately. And then when I went to college um, for like a year, I kind of, also thought I was going to major in music. So I took a lot of like the foundation classes and I did choir there and continued lessons and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, then decided I wanted to go study in Germany instead of try to do a double major. Double in major of what? Music and? Literature. Okay. Yeah. Study what in <laughs> Germany? Um, I studied literature. Okay. Um, so I was like, well, I don't, I'm not really getting what I want out of the music program anyway. Cause at that point I just like, you know, had a boyfriend in a band and wanted to do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, were yeah. you in a band in college or high school? Uh, no, not in high school. Um, not really. Like the first thing I did was probably like record backups on my boyfriend's like hardcore record or something. <laughs> uh, and then eventually like we started a band and I just sang and then. I ended up picking up drums next. And I did was that, that like for, in Germany or? No, this was like I'd finish and come back. It was in San Francisco. Um, was that I, hard or how was that process of learning drums? It just seems it was not really, like something you just pick up, but some people can just I pick think it up. It was, yeah. I think it was pretty intuitive for me. There's probably like a reason why I wanted to do it when I was little, not just to like make a lot of noise. I was not like a flashy kid. So. <laughs> um, it was like, this seems like something I can do. And yeah. And I think at the time I was in like a really terrible rock and roll band and our drummer like went to go harvest organic plants and live in a yurt and stuff. So... <laughs> We we uh, just started, I don't want to say a jam band, but like we weren't, we didn't have like intentions, you know, we just would play music play. together every yeah. night. And so I learned, you know, by doing it. Um, I also think I maybe learned by watching so many Beatles videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like you're just a music, like lover and a music student, like a student of music inherently and naturally like all the time in a way that it's kind of funny to say but I feel like a lot of people in music aren't you know almost like they don't want to soak it up in this mm-hmm. similar way I that mean, I get yeah, a vibe that, from you yeah I'm I'm sure I mean that probably exists in in all of those things but um yeah You're just like so. watching in a way that's learning yeah, yeah, constantly hungry, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sponging, and like, sponging yeah. it up 
Yeah. Um, I don't remember where this started or why. Uh, your first garbage. Oh, concert. yeah. Sorry. I really it's okay. go. That's good. <laughs> we were going to get there no, eventually. Yeah. Thank you right. for taking us um, there. So, yeah. Anyway, at that time, I only sang in the shower. Okay. And I would get in trouble for singing, like, not age-appropriate songs. Like what? What were you into? I think, I don't know about into, but I definitely knew, like, a couple songs that I could nail, you know? Like, other than, like... Um, Jefferson Airplane stuff, which my mother obviously didn't have a problem with because that was like her shit. Uh-huh. Um, I think she like had a talk with me after I sang like a Sheryl Crow power ballad. <laughs> she was like, no. I, the lyrics were like, lie to me. Like, I don't know. It was, oh, you know, it was I like love a, that song. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I shall believe. That song? Maybe. Is that? Come to me now. I believe. Yeah, it's yeah. that yeah. one. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, same yeah. Time. It was all about like you to me. Yeah, but yeah. please don't leave. But My mom's don't like, leave. Um, right. you're 11. What are you singing? <laughs> you're like, I didn't even think about that. Not I don't sure. know. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I also used to sing zombie cranberries like nice. really annoyingly. I'm sure like with the yodel. Oh my god! But like, right. God bless our youth back then because now parents would probably be so grateful if their kids were Just only singing, singing zombie Crow right. and cranberries. Oh no, right, like, so, come on. It's so true. Could have been a lot so Right, mellow. right. Yeah. Anyway, I can still really do a, do a mean karaoke of, of all the shower, <laughs> yeah, shower yeah, jams yeah. I perfected. Still got that um, in the repertoire. So yeah, anyway, fast forward many years, and I'm in New York to do press. I think it was the first Dumb Dumb Girls record, although it might have been the second. And I was like running around with my A&R guy and my publicist, and I think we had just finished an interview at like Fuse or something, and we were going to... Um, serious radio or something and mm-hmm. so we had to catch a cab so we were just walking down the street trying to get a cab and this woman walks by and she has like a really sweet leopard print coat and like really incredible hair and I don't see that it's Shirley Manson but I just like note like oh it's a stylish person <laughs> yeah um, and then like about a block later we're like in the street hailing a cab and, and I look back and someone's like swearing at us and we basically had like stolen the cab that Shirley Manson oh was waiting God. for, you know, with somebody else. And I just remember having this like horrified look on my face and turning to my A&R guy who's a, a good friend and I was just like, Dean, we just stole Shirley Manson's <laughs> cab. Like the, she was like my icon uh, when yeah. I was here. Like this is like... Uh, it's just like karmically bad. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm, in, I'm starting <laughs> a career. Fix like, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, it was like the the first time I took advantage of how um, inappropriate close contact via social media, oh. you know, like allows you to be. Yeah. Occasionally, always. Actually. Yeah. Um, so I like tweeted an apology <laughs> or something, and and. You know, she figured out who I was uh-huh. and like put it together and ended up liking my band. And we sort of had like a little internet friendship for a bit. Um, Dum Dum Girls played a few like small festivals with them. Uh-huh. Um, Do you look at that now as like karmically actually having been a yeah, good thing? Yeah, yeah right. It's like, you're right. It, it, it's yeah, social media. It's yeah. like <laughs> the second time, full circle, you know? And um, yeah. so we stayed in contact. And when I, uh, I went and saw them play, I don't know, maybe two years ago in New York and we were talking and I was probably just saying like, I'm not sure what my next move is or, you know, whatever it was I was saying. And we ended up talking a bit via email. She gave me some like good advice. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. Um, And then eventually like when I figured out what it was I was doing and that I was making this like very sort of spontaneous change to something else. Um, you know, I sent the record to her and then it just ended up being like, yeah, of course we'll take you like, yeah. (laughs) And it makes so much sense. Like if you go to a garbage show and you really love their music, people are going to love your music also. I don't think I, I mean, I haven't played to like a cold crowd like that in years, Mm -hmm. which I used to kind of, that was like all I did for years in a touring band. Yeah. Um, and that's hard, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, but, but do you think the crowds that come, so, okay, because they, I mean, the crowd knew that it was going to be you, um, but really, I mean, not really. Not really. Yeah. I mean, the, it was surprising that there were, like, fans of Kristen Control, probably via Dum Dum Girls, who mm-hmm. were there exactly. that were either, like, coincidentally garbage fans or, like, we put them over the, like, okay, yeah, we'll go. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but most of them had no idea who we were. Maybe had heard of Dum Dum Girls, but like didn't even necessarily know there was a connection unless Shirley like went into some monologue about it on stage, <laughs> yeah. which she did, which was cute. <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like we we made quite a few converts, so it yeah. was it was cool. Yeah. It was like not stressful. There's something about um, you know not necessarily having the responsibility to please the crowd mm-hmm. fall completely on you you know totally. it's like we could still go out there and do our thing and maybe it's not for them and I don't have to feel badly about that mm-hmm. but um so there wasn't like the normal anxiety you would have especially at the beginning of a new project where you're right. like cool we've only played live five times before yeah. and now right. there's like a hundred you know people staring intently and then about like 800 that are like what? what's gonna <laughs> right. show me something yeah. what do you got yeah, yeah. well the your album is amazing thank you so good i love it and the press has been astounding you must yeah, it, feel it, uh, pretty good about that i so definitely far. um it's nice when you make sort of a risky decision and mm-hmm. uh there's some something that encourages you to feel like it was you know a, not in vain, and B, right. like, the right thing. Yeah. So. so Dum Dum Girls was very prolific, right? I mean, you had how many albums in, like, five years? Um, Three full albums uh-huh. and then two EPs. And there were a couple, like, pre-sub-pop releases as well. But, yeah, I mean, that's all I did. You know, I just yeah. wrote all the time and then recorded it and then went tour it forever. And at a certain point, Um, I think, you know, if I look back, it was sort of because I was trying to expand, you know, on the Mm -hmm. sound with every record. It started taking longer and longer. um, And I had some like voice issues for a while. So what what at one point was like one record a year or like a record and an EP a year slowed down. And then when I was writing uh, what became Excommunicate, I really wasn't sure what I was doing for a long time other than just like kind of throwing everything at the wall and seeing what was sticking, which was nothing for like five months. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the worst work I've ever done. Is that a long, is that a long period for you? Five months of not. Yeah. I mean, I not in like any kind of comment on my talents or whatever, but I mean, I, I historically have been a much faster, Mm -hmm. you know, worker and also like didn't have to really like dissect and like fix things it was kind of just like I'm just writing really pretty straightforward guitar pop songs like Mm -hmm. it doesn't it's not rocket science (laughs) science you know Um, and that's how you would write basically write on your guitar lyrics and melody sort of simultaneous and yeah very quick which I mean I still do that but when I was starting um you know, like the session for this album, it was, okay, well, I don't want to do anything I've done before. So like, A, I'm not going to use the producers I used in the past. B, I'm going to do my best to like demo with sounds I'm not super familiar with, but that I know I want to have on this, like whatever next phase of my music career is. Mm -hmm. And then C, like I'll also like quit writing on the guitar because that's what I've always done. So Mm. I'll try writing on piano. And it just was like, I was, I went a little too extreme in my like desire to really shake things up. Um, and I ended up having to like pull back a bit and bring the guitar back because there's just like a familiarity, uh, with how I write Mm -hmm. on the guitar that just did not translate to the piano. It like was interesting and I definitely did weird things, you know, accidental cool things but overall it was like not the right tool to be using because it stunted right. the potential yeah, like, yeah. were you using the computer more like more digital stuff as well yeah I mean I I have like a keyboard that I would run through and then like you know have a, whatever I use GarageBand I like don't mm-hmm. have any I have mild desire to like go beyond that but at this <laughs> point I like enjoy collaborating so it's it's fine yeah um, but yeah, I mean, eventually I ended up back on just an electric guitar running through, yeah. But so at that point when you're in the writing process, you still didn't have in mind necessarily that you were going to shift from Dum Dum Girls. No, I mean, not not in any organized way, which, you know, part of that was because the 
like future of Dum Dum Girls was even unsure. I didn't know if Sub Pop was going to put out a record for a, a long time. Like they, they kind of danced around my option, um, which was like really traumatizing. Yeah. What was that about? Do you think? Um, I mean, I think it, it all just kind of ended up being part of this larger conversation. And, and I think ultimately like everybody really loved the last Dum Dum Girls record and I loved it myself, but you know, I can, there's enough space now that I can look back and be like, I was really trying like something specific to mm -hmm. like get out of an area and I didn't totally nail it. I don't think in a way that like worked with the trajectory of Dum Dum Girls. And so it was like, what area would you say you were trying to, I was just kind of trying to like get out of the completely pigeonholed as a garage retro all girl like right. the Ramones meets the you know, right <laughs> runettes or whatever which I mean that 100% was the archetype I <laughs> created yeah. when I started right. you know um you're just ready for something else yeah and I think because I was trying really hard I had like tunnel vision and I also knew that my ideas were like a little beyond our ability live, which was why I brought Andrew in to play um, like the auxiliary guitar stuff that was just like technically out of our league. Um, and then it just kind of, you know, like we had a really good first year of touring that and then it just wasn't as good. And it ended up, you know, leaving me in a place where I was like, okay, well, what's the next thing I do? Like I obviously am compelled to write differently you know like I'm not I'm not at all interested in doing something that could be like oh it's a return to form of the first or second album you know like that that's just boring for me so I wasn't going to do that but going forward like am I not also still going to encounter the issue of like what I'm recording translating live like how how well will it do that do I am I going to just keep hiring supplemental you know, people, mm -hmm. because like at the root of it, we are like a guitar four person, like pretty basic, you know, straight, straightforward rock and roll band. Um, so, it w you know, it was just me starting to like slowly realize that. And I think sub pop, you know, on the business side of things just has to look at like, well, why didn't this do as well as we thought, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And so, um, so yeah, there was a lot of that and that was very traumatic and convoluted and it ended up working out and it was fine, but how traumatic was it? Like, were you at the point of walking away or you want, well, you it thought was about like, maybe I'm done for a bit. I thought I got dropped. Okay. So it was more like that. It yeah. was, it, and then it was like, Oh, my boyfriend like changed his mind. Right. right. <laughs> so it was like, I've Do I still yeah, want him. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, no, I, I absolutely love them and I, you know, I have, I have the ability to understand, you know, their, their perspective yeah. for sure. Yeah. But at the same time, like I felt like, um, they didn't want to walk away, you mm -hmm. know, yeah. but it was like, how can we do this a little bit better this time? And we're sort of on a very slow path, this go around, um, because the whole Kristen control thing came so last minute. It was like, I, I knew that there was all of this, stuff that I was going to have to figure out like okay well sure at least the record is secured but like what record am I about to make <laughs> yeah like, I have no idea is this when and you already had like 62 songs in the can mm, or something or written no I mean this was like in the process of yeah that. in the beginning yeah. of that and so I as I started I was like okay well I'm I'm not gonna worry about that stuff at all and so I won't factor in like how will this be played live I'm not gonna factor in like is the sound shockingly different like mm -hmm. how right. are they going to market especially because it? you've had a, a rotating group of people in for dumb Bum girls at least to a, to a certain point right I then mean, did it sort of stick kind of not not really i mean it was sort of like like team a and team b we, mm. we basically had the same drummer and guitarist since the beginning we oh, just okay. we just got a different bass player about mm -hmm. halfway through but it, oh. i mean it depends on like when you tapped in like some people remember that frankie rose was the drummer which was like for two months, you know, <laughs> okay, 2009 right, right. or something. So. Right. But some people that just sticks in their mind. Right, of course. Right. So, yeah. um, I mean, okay. So yeah, it really was yeah. by that time a, a pretty set. Thing. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, 
I just didn't, I didn't want to have any of that have influence over the kind of record I was making. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you hone in on the new sound? Um, I mean, I, as I said, yeah, or as you said, I, I just was really trying to focus on the songs. I was like, I'm just mm-hmm. going to write the songs and then figure out, you know, I, I have references, you know, it's not like I threw out all the records that I've always loved that like clearly influenced Dum Dum Girls. Yeah. It was just like, oh, cool. Now I'm going to let in all this other stuff that always seemed inappropriate because I don't want to make music that right. feels like certain things are not appropriate. Mm-hmm. Like it's just me. But so I think you said like right. Dum Dum Girls was more like Joan Jett, like kind of rock and rollers. Yeah. I mean, and, and that was established with the first stuff that I did and how we performed and with too true part of what I was saying were like I had these sort of like lofty intentions of like how I was worming my way out of this you know corner Mm -hmm. was trying to do other things um you know a little bit and it really just was like people don't hear it like they they're only going to have the context that they think is what Dum Dum Girls is and right. I, I am no longer able to influence that and mm, interesting. That an interesting really frustrating <laughs> yeah. yeah you got I mean an excellent review um from Pitchfork I mean the critics loved this album but um Jason Green of Pitchfork said if she wanted to she has the potential to beat world beaters like Haim but that maybe there's part of you that like wanted to be in this sort of hazy space but it sounds like what you're saying is like with that record you were you weren't a hundred percent confident in doing it. Totally. But you would because have been. it was still sort of like, well, how do I take this thing I've built with me? Mm-hmm. You right. Know? Um, and so there was some tension in that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I was, you know, when I finally got the songs that I knew were going to be this record, um, I at least knew that what, my main goal was, was just reestablishing myself like sort of template free so that I can go forward and do whatever it is. And that makes sense because there is no like rigid archetype that I'm being, you know, measured against. And you worked with the same producer for like all of those albums, right? All of the Dum Dum Girl stuff, which uh, he said, what's his name again? Richard. Um, well, yeah, the main the main guy, Richard Goddard, he's like an old school New York legend. Um, and then he also he's also my manager. He manages the Ravenettes. Um, and so at my first EP after the first record, he brought Suna from Ravenettes on board. And he was more like the hands on producer. And Richard's a little more like running around the room dancing and like interjecting. Yeah. You know, or, or, you know, really focusing on the vocal mixing or something. Um, so yeah, it, it was definitely like a, a three person thing for many years, um, which I loved, but I also was like, I am so aware of what we can do. You know, and like if I'm not going anywhere and I want it to be different, I'm obviously going to have to change other elements. Mm -hmm. Right. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, so what are some influences on Chris and Control that weren't there for Dum Dum Girls? Um, I mean, kind of 
just everything else, uh, you know, (laughs) um, I definitely, you know, got to, I don't even want to say indulge because I don't really believe in like the guilty pleasure Mm -hmm. concept or whatever, but like, I've always loved pop music and I was never shy about saying that in Dum Dum Girls, but it did get like processed, you know, through the distortion, whatever, um, distortion machine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was kind of just being able to, to embrace all of the stuff that like when you go to a club and the DJ puts it on, you can look around and there's like 18 different kinds of people and they were all so stoked that you just put on like (laughs) TLC or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so it was, you know, a lot of the early pop stuff that I got into, like the first music that was really mine because I grew up with my parents' music, which was great. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, like the stuff that I was into in, in elementary school of my own accord, like Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, right. Janet Jackson, yep. Tiffany, Debbie Gibson, like, you know, the stuff, the squeaky kid stuff uh-huh. to, you know, whatever more adult things that somehow I, you know, got past my mom, like Michael Jackson or whatever, you know, right. like, such great music yep. that, um, didn't really, there wasn't a direct way to correlate you know into whatever dum dum girls sound was right um, but it wasn't a it wasn't an ethos that you had against it at the time it was just sort of it, how it no, worked out I mean, it, it wasn't an ethos but it but it was just like okay well i'm in this kind of band right that it's not what you do but yeah. i mean maybe it should be if you look at a band like heim where you're like okay cool like they're, they're kind of the same basic elements but they like unabashedly just embraced it you know and it's Mm -hmm. so cool um but yeah so that and then other things like i don't know i'm a big kraut rock fan i love Uh reggae i love like later pop like kylie or like ace of Mm bass and just kind of you know a lot of things and then also like sure we'll keep it weirdo you know now it's when i can indulge my ability to you know, karaoke, a Kate Bush song. Like I, I can sing, you know, (laughs) that kind of, that kind of stuff or like, and that, that was really like one of the most fun things. And, and it initially did come out of writing these weird songs on the keyboard where it was like, I think the main thing I got out of that was writing much busier vocal melodies or just vocal melodies that took advantage of my range, you know, mm-hmm. that were really fun to sing. Yeah. Cause I'd never really done that before. Um, and it's also just so much easier for me to sing. It's like my natural range. Oh, that's amazing. And so part of like all the vocal problems I had in Dumb Dumb Girls was that I was straining like this lower part of my voice. That was not my natural, mm. um, go to mm-hmm. just cause it's, more rock that's and roll or whatever. Yeah, that's, right. just, yeah. that's just what you do. And so now it's like, I don't even have to, I mean, I do still warm up, but it's like, it's, it's so much it's more so comfortable. Much easier, yeah. So then what was the process of when you finally had a big chunk of the music ready and you looked at it, like, you know, how did you process the idea, the genesis, that like the whole evolution from, do I change the, band name do I change my persona do I just add members to dum dum girls I mean there must have been so many different things you were considering at the time yeah there I mean there were and like like I said it didn't it didn't really seep into the music at all except very occasionally when I would be working with um the producers and there were two one was Andrew who I mentioned earlier that plays in the band and the other um is a guy named Kurt Feldman who's in Brooklyn and he's really great um but you know they they knew that the goal was, you know, severely different from like what a Dum Dum Girls record would be. So it wasn't like they were measuring everything up like, well, how is this going to like, how are fans going to hear this? But like every now and again, we would think about like, well, you know, kind of regardless how this comes out, like, is there going to be a a way to navigate? Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. or is this just going to be so different? And and so, you know, there's probably a, f- a handful of decisions that we made that I might have made differently if I had known ahead then of time. that I was going to like have this whole thing, which mm-hmm. is kind of funny. But I, I guess I feel like with the next record, it's really going to be like 
sort of super what it is right (laughs) because I will know exactly but I mean it it was kind of like a happy accident that we sort of were still completely dismissive of like anything that might have been um a way to link it more seamlessly or something um but yeah I mean we I would send them demos once I finally had songs where I was like okay these I figured out how to write songs again that's cool um (laughs) and and the goal for me was the what's going to make this an album is not that it has a cohesive sound or that like from song to song it's like a sonic palette that is present consistently it's going to be that they're good songs and that i perform well and that i sing well and like the vocals are going to be the thing that ties it together which was why like Sinead o'connor was a really big reference for me because mm-hmm. it's almost like you could so mute and you could mute the music and it, like would it really matter <laughs> <laughs> it's like she makes the song right like the it's power her, her of voice her voice like- yeah and I'm not, you know, it wasn't like, guys, I totally am capable of that. But like that, that was like at least the bar that we were aiming for in terms of like having this anchoring, you know, powerful vocal thing. Um, and then from there, we had total freedom to kind of like produce the songs in whatever way. And so, um, you know, the the two guys had pretty different styles, different things that they liked. And so I would give them songs that I thought, you know, lent themselves better to their sort of you know fortes Mm -hmm. um and then occasionally I would intentionally not just to see like yeah well what if we give the one who like doesn't understand reggae (laughs) the song that has a backbeat (laughs) (laughs) um they were they were really good sports and they're such geniuses so it was really cool for me I think um after many years of really micromanaging I mean like even though Suna is so much more uh the genius than i am and like would replay all the things that i'm you know would you should not commit my version to record (laughs) if we can redo this you know i still was like well like you know you can do something there but like you know um so this was kind of like cool i'll be like doing instagram like (laughs) while you like pursue whatever weird idea you just had yeah Um, so yeah that was cool so anyway I, as we're like approaching, finishing the session Mm -hmm. and we're starting to mix, um, which eventually, you know, means we'll get it mastered and then turn it in. You know, I keep Sub Pop in the loop and my A&R guy was out here and I played him like one of just my demo of a song called Show Me, which is pretty identical on the album version. Kurt wrote like a really incredible guitar lead, but the the base of the song is pretty consistent mm-hmm. to what it was. And he like loved it, which was great because I felt really good about that song. And I felt like it was some sort of like statement as to like what, what I was doing or where I was going. And mm-hmm. it seemed like he was like, Oh yeah. Okay. This is significant. Cool. Yeah. But you know, I, I'm like testing the waters and I'm just thinking like, well, I just don't think this can be a Dum Dum Girls album, you know, because first of all, the band camp it requires a different set of players like Mm, completely it's an Mm -hmm. electronic album right yeah um so if it comes out as dum-dum girls it's going to be nobody that like is part (laughs) of this this project you know yeah right so then we just remove that whole thing okay that's weird and it sounds (laughs) really different yeah and um, I imagine your pr- stage presence, you wanted that to be able to be different yeah, in a way. I mean, I'm not playing anything. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I had toyed, like I said, like the Two True album really was me like trying to flex all these like, it was like the teenage version of like <laughs> trying to be independent or something. Yeah, and yeah. I, I kind of stopped playing guitar for the most part in the last couple months we were touring and it kind of worked sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, was it sad to let Dum Dum go? Was that hard? Yeah. I mean, you were was, just ready. Uh, I mean, part the the or is it making, not even gone? I mean, <laughs> you know? no, that's still the looking thing. at it right yeah, now. Yeah, the thing is, it's just me. Yeah, right. right. It was, exactly. Right. It was just me needing a, ve- a vehicle that was appropriate for what I was doing. But yeah, it was it was totally sad, and it was uh, it was weird. I think creatively, I felt that that is what needed to happen. Um, yeah, but everything else. But this doesn't else. preclude you if you write an out al- your next. You know, you write a whole bunch of songs that sound more like Dum Dum Girls, and you tour 
Is that Who where you go back? I, mean, I I don't think no. I'm yeah. not not no. not in my world unless mm-hmm. it's like we used to joke about doing like a casino tour when we're like <laughs> yeah, there you, go. you know. <laughs> um, you know, like even if I make even if the next record has more guitars on it, like that's fine. It's still, it right. doesn't matter. You know, like that, that's the beauty of being a solo artist. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny. That's more obvious because it's like whatever you're in the mood for. Yeah. How do you conceive of like Dumb Girls was not a solo project, even though it was very much your own creation. Well, I mean, that was a, that was an interesting learning experience because it was kind of, yeah, actually. I mean, yeah, right. That's what I mean. Like, like the difference between a solo project that you're doing now, which has plenty of collaborators and people right. working with you and a band. Yeah. Versus Dum Dum Girls, it's which just is perception, this, you right. know, and, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, when I started and I made up this name sort of arbitrarily and I didn't have a band and I had a record before I had a <laughs> band. Um, and then I put a band together, a band that would make sense playing the music and be able to sing the three part, yeah. you know, harmonies. And, and that was just what I was into. I'd never played music with women before. And there was a, big part of me that was like I ha- I hated the band I had been in before and it was like the grand old the party worst. yeah it was or? like the worst life experience why tell us why? no no I don't talk about <laughs> it um, really yeah at all um, because it was really <laughs> rad to see you playing drums and singing well I do that in a punk band now so. you do yeah what the one with your husband no no or? uh this this is a punk band called OCDPP and you play drums and sing? I just kind of yell every now That's and again. Awesome. I'm not the singer. I'm mainly the drummer. <laughs> yeah. But, Can you uh, give us a, a one sentence? Why was Grinnell party? No, no. Okay. <laughs> Straight up. No. Okay. Um, um, but so you had had a bad experience. Oh yeah. So anyway, it was like, so I obviously like put together a band that was going to be a different experience and, you know, hopefully a positive one. And it really was, and it just kind of worked. And so, even though, you know, on paper I had a deal with Sub Pop and I write all the songs and I record for the most part without a band. We did one record together and that was kind of at the beginning where I was like, okay, well, we're actually, you know, like we don't sound like how the records I make sound anymore. We sound like a band. So the record did sound like a band, but mm-hmm. I kind of like worked against myself in that way because I'd go in waves of like pushing the band aesthetic and then I'd go in waves of like well wait I better make sure it's still understood that this is my thing because if I take some sort of weird you know left turn as you are right then it's like oh people don't even know you know because it depends on like your your level of of fandom like Uh you know the the superficial and not in a bad way but just like the casual listener is going to assume it's like the Ramones or the right. Beatles, you yeah. know, like a band band. And then people that have known, you know, about it for a long time have seen the, right. the change or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it was, uh, it was definitely not Sub Pop's desire to like walk away from eight mm-hmm. years of like a relationship. And yeah, like I mean, and, and also just like worked well, right. Yeah, it worked well. And you know, we were a really hardworking band. We were a touring band. Like, yeah, we swooped up on some initial hype, but we then just like toured for worked. seven years, you know, wow. and it, and it didn't, uh, because you, the hype goes away super quickly and like you have to have, you work. know, yeah, it's grassroots, you know? Yeah. Um, so obviously that was a factor and have you been in New York that whole time? When did you move here? I moved here about five years ago. Oh, okay. So I think I moved here uh, just before the second full length came out because I shot the promo pictures in my apartment around the corner from here. Okay. Where did you start the band? You were in the Bay Area or were you in LA? Yeah, I was in the I was in San Diego. Oh really? Yeah. Oh interesting. And then I was in the Bay Area for a while. Okay. Um why San Diego? That's just where I lived. Why did you move to San Diego? I moved to San Diego because I <laughs> lived in a van and drove around the States and decided to live in New York and then ran out of money. So then drove back. Whoa, wait, tell us about that. Mom. Tell us about living in a van. <laughs> Down by the river. No. <laughs> um, what brought that about? Um, I lived in San Francisco. Uh, I went to college in Santa Cruz uh-huh. and then I moved to San Francisco and I lived there for a couple of years and I worked and I you know, played in bands. Um, and I was just, I was in a band with my boyfriend at the time and we were just kind of 
over San Francisco and having, you know, grown up, both of us in the Bay Area, mm -hmm. we just sort of wanted to be somewhere more foreign. Um, so, yeah, we bought a van, like stopped partying for like two months and like saved up a ton of money. <laughs> it was like the first it's time amazing. I ever had money. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was like 20, <laughs> 21 or 22. Uh -huh. First time I had a decent paying job. I was uh -huh. like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to spend all my money all the time. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah, bought, bought like a VW, drove around. Oh my God. So dumb. Um, <laughs> was it fun? Like how quickly did that get old actually? The experience didn't get old, but no. like we were like past our due date of breaking up. So uh, for sure. Um, yeah, that was the bigger problem. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I mean, despite that, the trip was just great. Um, Where yeah. would you shower? Um, what are the tips to living on the road like that? I mean, I think we we would do campgrounds, mainly campgrounds. Yeah. Like okay. we had a stove and a tent, and uh -huh. like the van was like a van van a go type yeah thing. Um, so, so you yeah. went all around the states. Went all around, like considered New Orleans. Uh huh. Um, and then, like I said, got to New York for the first time, and I don't even really. And then all your money bled out <laughs> really sure. fast. Yeah, yeah. It, it was amazing. I just wanted to stay. Um, but I have like a hard time. Like I have, n I had no concept of New York or Brooklyn. Like my memories don't even make sense. Like when I try to remember like what when I saw when year? I came. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm like, I remember I got like Thai food at a place with a magician. And like, I know I stayed in Williamsburg at a friend's house. But like, I have no idea yeah. where that actually was. Yeah. Um, what yeah. year was this? Um, probably 2004. Okay. So yeah. then you went to San Diego. Then I was in San Diego. Um, and then I moved back up to the Bay area cause my mom was sick. So okay. it was like, a went home for that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then considered moving to San Francisco just because I was up there and like yeah. didn't really have ties anywhere else and thought I should be near my family. But you had the band at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you need, I mean, you needed to be in, in proximity enough to things? To Not them? really, because we had never had all of us in the same city anyway. Like two of them lived in L.A., one of them lived in Austin, one of them lived in New York. There was like always somebody that lived on the other side of the country. So Was that a challenge? Not really, because we weren't, we weren't like the typical, you know, play in the garage, rehearse all the mm -hmm. time band. We like rehearsed to go on tour and then we toured. And mm -hmm. then when tour was done, everybody just like... When scattered separate. like cockroaches you know yeah. in the yeah. daylight yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like yeah. did our did our non-band life and then we'd come back together um so i mean it was wasn't super like financially practical to like have to fly but but it was a concentrated made, time yeah and yeah, then, yeah and it made the most sense and yeah it's really hard to find people you like to spend that much time with you know so for me it was like an easy fix to, yeah to like compensate for that totally so you've been in New York for five years. Yep. Just moved to Crown Heights. Yep. How's that? It's cool, except yeah. it takes forever to get <laughs> right. here. Um, to get back to your old stomping grounds. Yeah. Up here. No, it's cool. I, I already, like, I'm going to go to the Goodwill that I used to go to all the time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, Was this your first time living in Brooklyn? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I lived, so I lived, like, in, which this is, like, the base of Harlem basically so I lived around here for about three years and then I moved about 10 blocks down into like proper Yorkville mm -hmm. and that was like too intense for me <laughs> and then I moved up even farther into Spanish Harlem uh -huh. which I loved and I had this huge place but it kind of just like wasn't maintained well and had no natural lighting and I experienced sad yeah, yeah. Um, like it. last winter, you know, mm -hmm. so I was mm -hmm. like, I can't, I will go, I'll go like the shining if I don't <laughs> get out. Get some light in here. Yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, I looked around and, and it, it really was, was, uh, I took stock. I was like, okay, my best friend used to live in the Upper West Side. And mm -hmm. so that was like, always had somebody really close and that was cool. And then my former roommate now is down like in Wall Street, like the financial Oh yeah, that's a new spot. Yeah, Fi Fidei, is that what they call it now? Oh, I'm sure. Really? I don't know. Someone said that to me yesterday. I was like, "Huh? Financial Fide district? Fidei? Oh. Fidei? Sure." Um, but anyway, I just realized I was like, I I don't know anybody that lives over here, and yeah. I don't have that many friends. I have like a best friend who lives in Greenpoint, and mm -hmm. I have like a few acquaintances, 
everybody's in Brooklyn. Yeah. And I DJ in like the East Village or the Where Lower do you East DJ? Side. Um, different spots like Berlin, um, Mr. Fong's, Baby's cool. All Right. I love that about you because yeah. I feel like you're a legit rock and roll yeah. like queen, <laughs> but you're also out amongst the people just DJing yeah. casually. Yeah, like awesome. your fans can come out and see you DJ. It's, <gasps> it's you're pretty true. accessible, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely. I, uh, I DJed at Niagara. Oh, Niagara. Um, which I'd never been to. one of my old to. stomping grounds. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, I, I've DJed at Berlin a lot and I, it's like the same people or whatever. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll just try that one out yeah and I show up and it's like a small divey bar which I'm stoked on totally um but I go in there and they're like okay well you just plug right into this speaker (laughs) and I was like okay I mean I technically you know use my laptop and have a program that like is a foam mixer so it's not a big deal but I was just like is this the normal setup because there's like absolutely no controls Mm. or and they're like no our our like soundboard busted or whatever so this is what we're doing and like I'm just like okay Uh. so I I start and it's just horrible you know because it's they only have like one cable and it's stereo or it's mono but it's Mm -hmm. like not splitting it and there's these two like really shitty PAs spread out and uh, they're not even like the right side and the left <laughs> side. It's not something that I could try to like understand what's happening. There's yes. just no like, vocals basically. Oh, it just sounds terrible. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and so I spend like two hours trying to like problem solve it. And I find a mixing board oh, and like man. some other wow. cables and I'm like trying things <laughs> and I'm like, okay, it seems like it sounds better when I play off my phone. So then I'm yeah. like trying to do that, which is so stupid. And then I realize, and then I'm Googling, yeah. like, how do you EQ the worst fucking speakers <laughs> ever? And um, someone's making some comment about how they're out of phase or whatever. And I'm like, okay. So I go look and I try to find the balance and there's no balance because there's nothing. Um, and then I, and then on, on my computer, I like fuck with the balance and I just pan it all left. And then it And it back. worked. <laughs> So I guess wow. I like cancel. I don't know. I'm like, oh my god! It's probably obvious if you like know anything about. No, waves. that's like way to way to maneuver out of that. But anyway, like, there are these two. Solved. It took like two hours. I was like, <laughs> damn. There were these two girls that came that were like fans, and they were Aww. really sweet. And I'm just like, hold on, real quick. I have to like make a cue on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> So All right, question. Like if you're DJing and the crowd is not really in a good mood and it's not a good vibe, what's the one song you put on that like brings everyone together, snaps them back? <laughs> what's your go-to? Um, like, I, mean, I know I anyone can be down with this. I definitely have those. It really depends, though, because some of the places I DJ yeah. are like, you can't play certain really? genres. Things. Oh, right. Like, yeah. Berlin is like rock and roll and early soul and right, funk, true. like nothing. Right. Uh, okay. So, after on like, for example, big pun. At Berlin, I'd probably put on like an Oi song like Sham 69 or something. Yeah. But normally, I don't know, I'd probably put on like, it depends if I, if I can um, read the crowd, if I can read the crowd, I'll put yeah. on Suede Head because everybody loves that song. But if it's not quite that, then I'll put on like, I don't know, like Together Again, Janet Jackson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. And everybody likes that yes. song. Yes. So. Okay. Good recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I commandeer someone's playlist, which I do sometimes. Together again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So are you touring a bunch now coming up? Um, I have nothing really planned yet, which is not like for complete lack of trying. We're just still (laughs) sort of like. Have you figured out the setup, how to play the record? Yeah. 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 Obviously. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, it helped a lot to you know, retain one of the producers as right. like musical director. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason why performing in this group is so, um, just more, f- it's so much more fun for me because I literally checked out of like the technical stress yeah. stuff. That's nice. I'm like, I don't even know how this works. So there's like it's nothing, really I nothing do. I could do. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we have a drummer who plays a real kit and has like a sampler and also, you know, like, which has like either the drum sounds from the album or mm-hmm. like other stuff he's doing. Um, we have like some backing tracks depending on how like full, how many synths there mm-hmm. are, you know, and we have a bass player who goes between bass and synth and then Andrew 
is mainly doing guitar, but does some synth stuff too. Are you playing guitar at all? Or no, no, no I you're just not playing, dance. Just Awesome. Is this guitar free? Well, I also was wondering if you just playing any pads or keyboard. like keyboard. I, like, I thought about doing it, you know, when we were we rehearsed for about two weeks before we played like our own little super tiny, like, you know, Connecticut, Hudson, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, Boston shows of our own. And like I started playing them on a couple songs in like certain parts, but it was so dumb and like. There's literally no point. Like, it's I like don't for need one to little sound. Yeah. Uh, like why? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No big deal. But like I, I was really trying to like get into this new thing because like I said, I never actually finished the story. Kristen Control, yeah. like the decision to put it out like that for, was was uh, prompted only because I was like, OK, guys, we can't. This can't be a Dumb Dumb Girls record for like, you know, those reasons that I listed. Like basically mm-hmm. the entire band would be different and the sound is different. Like that's just offensive. Like you have to respect fans and like the legacy of something, especially mm-hmm. if you feel like you've outgrown it. Yeah. You know, like if if I didn't feel that way about it, I probably would have tried to make it work. Mm-hmm. Like I tried to make it work with Too True. But I just knew it was going to be better. Mm-hmm. starting you know just stepping outside and starting something new and i didn't mm-hmm. want to completely like disassemble whatever dum dum girls you know is or was or meant to so many people not i mean that sounds kind of no that's absolutely ridiculous true. but like we're a very precious band for a lot of people and you know i please have it right <laughs> have it intact you know yeah um so then it was like okay well so i put it out as a solo record and like how do we segue like what's the what's the story and it's like i guess it could be like dd like whatever Mm -hmm. goes solo from her (laughs) veiled solo solo. (laughs) right yeah it's like so dumb um (laughs) but they didn't think that that was a good move logistically because of all the like pre-existing dds and like how would people find me on streaming services and like you know shit like that Mm -hmm. where i'm like okay so then it was like you have to have a last name of some kind and i was like oh my god this is ridiculous because like when I started you know there was some anonymity I was that was intentional and you know and I was just Dee Dee mm-hmm. and I remember the first press we got was enemy um for like CMJ and we were like the number one band to watch or something and when they were fact checking I got an email and it was like oh how do you want you know what's your full name or whatever I was like you know just Dee Dee like share whatever <laughs> mm-hmm. they're like cool <laughs> and so like a month later I get a physical copy and it, the first line is like Dee Dee Penny of da da da. And I was no. like, what? I was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, what is that? And so I like kind of try to track down, you know, the writer or whatever happened. And it was, <laughs> it was crazy. like a, I don't know if it was a placeholder that just didn't get mm-hmm. pulled out or whatever. Oh man. And like, he was like, Oh, I got to tell you that story sometime, like via Facebook message and never did, but I'm sure that's what it was. So anyway, I had this like last name tagged onto me that I'd have to like have someone delete from yeah. Wikipedia and like Ugh. made sure that every record always just said like Dee Dee. Like, right. But then I was like, okay, can I really introduce like a, another last name? Like everybody's going to be like, but why did you change like, your name? What? from Penny? I'm like, Oh my God. I'm, I'm perhaps going to like lose my mind <laughs> trying to manage all these n- yeah, names. names. And like, did you consider just using your real name? I hadn't yet, but I had, you know, started kind of polling close friends or like, people whose work I really admired that knew me personally and the kind of the resounding response was you it's probably time that you just Just like are yourself like if if, is that not like the whole deal creatively is like you're feeling like you want to just do that like why don't you do it all the way and I was like yeah but my name's weird like I I don't know it doesn't like doesn't doesn't feel right like the way you want it yeah yeah you know and and so and then there's also the like some people still refer to me with my maiden name or I'm just like, there's mm. so many fucking names associated with me. And like Dee Dee's my middle name and it was my mom's name. It's not a Ramones reference, like whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm like back and forth with sub pop trying to figure out what the solution is. And we like can't master the album until we know because there's like metadata that has to be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we're like approaching wow, like, the deadline because it's like, if you miss turning it in, then it doesn't get pressed on time. Mm. So it would be like, however, and sub pop is like 
very strategic about the releases. So mm-hmm. it was like potentially like six months would be the next time it, oh my God, window so you're just like or whatever. Racking your brain, it's like so a baby. Like, yeah. So I knew that Jonathan, who's like the head guy at Sub Pop, you know, he's always been on my side. And so I was like, I'm going to like email him and just be like, can you sort of advocate for me? that the solo thing is a good move, you know, or that it makes sense. And like, we're, we're just going to have to figure it out. And like, logistically, like it's, it will be fine as Dee, Dee like it's fine. And so, you know, I send him this, I'm, I'm in San Diego visiting family for the holidays and I'm at a bar that I used to hang out at. And, uh, I get an email back and he's like, you know what? I'm starting to, starting to kind of think if maybe this isn't a good idea or whatever. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so I'm like freaking out and I'm writing him back. I'm like, okay, look, like if I have to do DD Penny to like do this, I'll do it. Like fine, like whatever. <laughs> and in the back of my head, I'm like, I can't no. believe that I have to do this. Like after you damn CMJ writer. Fucking enemy <laughs> right. reference as my name. Like, uh, but okay, like if that's how this has to happen. I'll, I'll deal with it. It'll be a funny story at some point. <laughs> um, and I send him that, or I'm about to send him that. And I'm like kind of reminiscing with my friend Mario, who uh, has a little label called Art Fag. And now he has another one called Dream, I think. But anyway, he put out like super early Dumb Girl stuff and has been my friend forever. And uh, he used to have a DJ night called Skull Control after um, a hardcore band. And uh, at the time that he had this really like fun night, I had sort of like broke up with my boyfriend and started hanging out with like this new crew of people, um, which was when I met Andrew, uh, who was at that point in a band with Brandon, who I then married. Anyway, so it was like the beginning of like me making this new uh, circle of friends, Mm -hmm. you know, and my ex... uh, in like anger or as an insult was like oh you you're so cool now like are you Kristen control or whatever and I was like that is so dumb (laughs) and that's so catchy I'm gonna make it my email address and so that's been my email address since like 2006 Wait, does that mean you have to change your email address now it's really oh my god (laughs) and so as a joke you know I'm I'm talking about we're like making fun of this and I'm like, holy shit, is Kristen Control like, like my name? Pretty fucking Like, yeah. have I been sitting on You're the perfect like on project it. name this yeah. whole time? And I like write it down and I look at it and I'm like, wow, this yeah. is like, am I crazy? So just as like a PS at the bottom of this email where I'm like pleading, <laughs> I'm like, or we could call it Kristen Control, you know, like, peace. Um, and he wrote back and immediately was like, I totally love that. I was like, okay, well, it doesn't solve anything any of the problems we have <laughs> in fact it like creates more because now there's not like a segue narrative yeah. or whatever um but it was kind of like okay he's into it i ran it by a couple of my friends who had been like you should just use their name mm-hmm. your, or use your name and they were like oh yeah that's like totally great <laughs> right. too yeah so yeah. then it was like okay wham bam like two awesome. days later mastered it but then it was like okay well, well now what like this came out of nowhere and like now like the record pre-existed so wait you know, is this the, the name of the record or is this your is it a band name is it a because i mean i just it's just like the project right. name. it's right. just not plural so i don't anticipate like the dumb Dumb girls confusion to, <laughs> but to follow right. over like your next project it will you be could Kristen be in control, control with 100%. It. okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah it was like you know establishing the iggy pop you know right 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 vibe yeah the album is called excommunicate Album, right yes yeah and it's out now guys (laughs) go find it and it's fucking awesome now yeah um all right we should wrap up just because we gotta get out of here and you need to get to goodwill yeah totally. so we'll let you do that thank you um but thank you for coming on oh yeah and yeah guys check out the album go see her dj around town if you're in new york yeah <laughs> and uh yeah Kristen, thank cool. you so much thank you thank you show me what you're
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.